All right, uh, I'm just going to say it. Brent told Cole and I to use the text of Mark chapter 2, verses 23 to chapter 3, verse 6, the text I just read. And I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't understand what it was saying. Now, believe me, I poured over that text for hours trying to make some sense for it, but all I got was the message that Jesus can kind of bend the rules, he's the exception, you get the idea. (laughs) And it kind of bothered me that I couldn't find a deeper meaning or even make a parallel to my own life, but then I got to thinking that maybe that's the message all in itself. Because being a Christian doesn't have to be super complex or philosophical. Because when I was younger, I had the strong belief that in order to be a Christian, in order to be accepted and loved by God, you had to constantly do selfless acts on a grand scale, consistently go to church, pray, the usual. And as I entered high school, I realized this wasn't going to work. I started to lose him. My life became too busy, and I didn't make God a priority. And this caused me to think that I wasn't worthy anymore. And I didn't know where to start the relationship with him again. And because of this confusion, I found it hard to find the time and motivation to restart the relationship with him. But don't get me wrong, there are some bright bright spots. Summer going into my sophomore year, I went to the Boundary Waters, and there I found him again. But I think I found him because it was easy. Everything in that trip we did was through him, and he, he was just right in front of my face. And I thought that I had found him again. I thought that I found that base that I needed to restart the relationship. But then I came back. And sophomore year started in high gear. I had hours of homework, big projects, high school soccer season was starting, and I had no time for him. And I get it. Most of you would probably come up and say to me, well, make time. And I'm not trying to defend myself or make an excuse when I say this, but it's hard to make time when you have so little of it. And by Thanksgiving of that year, after I was confirmed and everything, I was back to square one. But I got another chance to go up to the Bounty Waters, and this was exactly a year later, summer going into my junior year. And at the time, I thought this trip provided me with a major breakthrough that I needed. Because I realized that I didn't have to pray to God. Because when I was younger, I had the belief that in order for your prayer to count, in order for it to send to God, you had to consistently think about him. And if you didn't, it wouldn't really send or it wouldn't count. But during the trip, my guide told me that you didn't have to pray to God. That you could pray to whoever you wanted to and your prayer would still count. And so I decided that it would be easier to pray to my late grandfather than God. And this helped me for a little while. It helped me through the beast that we call junior year of high school. But it wasn't enough. And eventually I lost it again. So fast forward to the start of senior year, and I was still at square one. But then I decided to go to one of the Lent services this year. I don't remember which one, but something told me that I should go. Despite the five research papers I had to write in two months, or to, despite the fact that I didn't know where I wanted to go to college or what I wanted to do with my life, that I should take one hour of my Wednesday night to go to church. And going into that service, I was high stress, I was low on sleep, I was going to musical rehearsals for eight hours a day. I mean, it was just rough. But when I came out of that service, I felt whole. My stress went away, I had a game plan for what I needed to do, and I was calm, and I was content with my life. And the best part about this was 
this may make me seem like I'm lazy, and I am, but not entirely. <laughs> but the best part about this was I only had to take one hour out of my life to go feel God and to go feel like a validated Christian again. And I think this was the breakthrough that I really needed. Because when I finally realized that I didn't need to go to church every Sunday or that I needed to, or Wednesday, or that I didn't need to go to WAPO or the Boundary Waters or to pray every day to feel God, that all I needed to do for me was to find God in those little moments, just to take that little, like, ten minutes out of every day just to find God, like, that, that was going to help me. And once I had this, my relationship with God blossomed. He helped me find that motivation to write five research papers because, I mean, I'm here, I'm about to graduate, so, you know. He helped me write the speech, and he helped me decide my future. He was there with my parents when I decided that I'm going to go to Dominican University, not the Republic, it's just outside Chicago. And I'm going to go play D3 soccer, and I'm going to major in communications. And he is still here. He's standing right next to me, you know, calling my nerves that I can actually talk to you. And he's going to be there guiding me through my uncertain future. And so to sum it all up, I found my Christian way of living through the small moments. And I sort of live by that classic saying, you know, appreciate the small moments for one day you'll realize they're the big ones. Because when I put all of those little small moments into big ones in my faith life, I'm never going to forget those. Thank you. Much like Rachel, I did uh, not understand the gospel either, so my message will be on the readings that I did. (laughs) All right, here we go. (laughs) Being a high school student, sleep is hard to come by. Sports, school, friends, work, family. And no, yes, even church are all factors of my sleep schedule. Countless studies have shown that a slim number of kids and adults in today's day and age get the uninterrupted eight hours of sleep that they need each night. Verse 2 in my reading says that Eli's eyes were so weak that he could hardly see. Sure, this is a sign of aging, but metaphorically, it's a sign that his theological vision was also wearing. Times of trial, of questioning, of understanding does not just come with age. Because before God opens our eyes to his love, we act according to our own justice. Before Samuel, in order for God to combat this ideal, he would send judges who would only work for short periods of time. Because us humans, we're creatures of habit. And if you need proof, just raise your hand if you normally sit in the same spot each week in church. (laughs) Exactly my point. But not only are we creatures of habit, we're creatures of sin. Beginning with Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, even Eli's sons committed sins of adultery and theft. God's ways are mysterious, but it's hard to believe that God micromanages life on earth. Because if we believe that God controlled everything, including war, starvation, cancer, and everything else, then the words God and love couldn't be used in the same sentence. Suffering is a part of life that no one can escape, regardless of how blessed you are. We lose loved ones, we receive unfair treatment, 
And sometimes all of our dreams do not get fulfilled the way we want them to. Suffering, however, is not the result of divine intervention, which we hear in the book of Job. Many, including my former self, have or still believe that God's suffering or suffering is God's punishment for our sin. But why, why would a loving father who runs down the road to welcome a wayward son or a faithful shepherd determined to walk down alongside us when we trek through the darkest valley do such a thing to his children, to his creations? So the question then becomes, if God doesn't cause suffering, then who does? We know we bring some suffering upon ourselves. It's a lesson that every parent teaches their children, that their actions have consequences. However, some suffering comes from others, such as the family and friends of the victims at Stoneman Douglas High School, Central Michigan University, or Santa Fe, Texas, or the countless number of other shootings in our community's education centers. The parents whose children were murdered will agonize over their loss for the remainder of their lives. Now, in my English class, we studied the story of Rip Van Winkle. Rip, like any senior, is loved but lazy. He avoids the hard work, like taking two gym classes and foods in one semester. <laughs> one day, he wanders into the mountains under pack and finds a group of men who offer him something to drink. He drinks what they have left, and he falls asleep for 20 years. Now, a 20-year nap is something I've been asking for for quite a while now, you know, <laughs> just to catch up. One of the reasons we are creatures of habit is because we like to do things that make us comfortable. That's in our wheelhouse. But in our spiritual lives, this can become troublesome. Commentator Lawrence Wood writes, We are sleeping. We do not fully see the divinity around us. Exhaustion has dulled our hearts, minds, and souls that we can work in the temple all day but never hear God. There are so many things in our lives that drain us, that make us tired and weary. For us seniors, it's the same list I said earlier. School, sports, friends, family, work, and yes, Chad, even church drains us sometimes. <laughs> it's, these, it's these things that can close our eyes so that we lose sight of God. So Samuel, a young boy at this time, hears his call, and he responds. However, it's not a voice he's comfortable with. So what does he do? Crawls back into bed just as any other teenager would. <laughs> when we look through scripture, we see that some of the heroes of Christianity went through suffering. John the Baptist was imprisoned and beheaded. Stephen was stoned outside the, the gates of Jerusalem. Jesus was ridiculed by adversaries, betrayed by a close friend, and executed by the state in one of the cruelest means ever devised. But also Paul, who wrote our second reading, also suffered. Just to mention, he was imprisoned multiple times, whipped with 39 lashes five times, beaten with rods three times, stoned, shipwrecked three times, and was once three or four adrift at sea for one day and one night. You know, he could have been bitter and beaten down about his life, but he writes, We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. You see, a lot can, miss, a lot can be missed if you stay asleep. Rip Van Winkle awoke with everything from his appearance to the infrastructure of the town had changed. He missed the entire American Revolution right before his, not his eyes, but his eyelids. Us too often miss the transformation that God makes in this world. In one of Dr. Martin Luther King's sermons on this same reading, he noted, One of the great liabilities of life is that all too many people find themselves living amid a great period of social change. 
and yet they fail to develop new attitudes, the new mental responses that the new situation demands. They end up sleeping through a revolution. Now, on his journey of the Christian revolution, I do not believe that Paul never had doubts, never experienced fear, never suffered from depression, and never considered giving up. Because we all do. And us seniors know it best. High school is a time where our identity is shaped and found in the eyes of the Lord. However, it is important that we have the Paul mentality, per se, that darkness is not the final word, that you can crawl out of a black hole, and that defeat, that we can't be defeated. A student after the Parkland shooting said this, Our trauma isn't going away, but neither are we. We will fight every day because we have to, because change is the only thing that makes any of this bearable. This is a prime example of a Paul mentality in full effect. She's not ignoring the tragedy by saying, let's just put on a happy face, nor is she minimizing the situation by saying, God must have had a purpose for all of this. She's determined to redeem the shooting by bringing good out of the horrific event. And sometimes we, like the people of Israel, think God is sleeping on us. But last time I checked, God hasn't rested since the seventh day in the history of the universe, so that's wrong. Um, <laughs> It still takes three times for a response to Samuel's call to kick into Eli. But the response is critical. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Call is a powerful thing. For me personally, here at Prince of Peace, my call has given me all sorts of opportunities, bringing me from an Indian reservation in rural South Dakota to daycare in inner city Chicago to mountaintops in Colorado. And from the Serengeti in Tanzania to a rum factory in Jamaica. Opportunities that most kids my age could only dream of. It has built relationships that will last me for a lifetime. So now I'm going to do shout out a few people that have had an impact on my time here. Marvin Hutchins, who I know isn't here today, thank you for being my mentor not only for Lent, but also on how to be a man of God. Lori, thank you for being my other, much cooler grandma. <laughs> Bill, thank you for trusting me to serve the community on council. And Brent, thank you for being the older brother that I never got to have. And for any and all who accepted me in their group, especially Donna, my new favorite member of the congregation. And for anyone who helped me and my family after we lost our home in a fire, your support meant more than you know. For all of us seniors who haven't heard their call yet, know that it starts by listening, but is complete when we fulfill it with our actions. This is what Dr. King was trying to say when he was talking about the new attitudes and mental responses that are demanded in our ever-changing world. God wants us and calls us to participate, to be his hand and feet in his ongoing revolution. And in order for our servant hearts to listen and act upon our call, we first have to open our eyes and wake up. Thank you. I feel like we should just unpack all of that and sit and talk about it for a while. Well, <laughs> thank you, Rachel and Cole. You both did uh, a wonderful, wonderful job. Both clearly put work into the message you shared, and you both shared honestly. Um, really, I'm just struck by those messages. Um, and also, I feel like... Uh, when I prepare for next week, I'm going to look at the scriptures, and if I don't like them, I'm just going to say, I'm choosing something else. So, so that's kind of freeing to me. 
Um, Rachel, among other things, shared about how this this God stays in pursuit of us even when we uh, become so busy and distracted and otherwise occupied. And somehow we are given these glimpses along the way and that they, in fact, are enough. Such a powerful witness. Uh, and, and, and Cole taking on the, the big issue of, of suffering and how our faith informs and, and how the community matters and sharing even from personal experience. Uh, so important, such a witness. Um, this business about never sleeping, I'm not so sure of. I, uh, Cole was with me in Africa a few years ago and there were, there are times when you're on roads that are so rough that people are hanging on and a little bit scared and I would look at Cole with his head bouncing off the window but he was sleeping, sound asleep. Uh, so, thank you to both of us, uh, both of you, uh, for that message.